You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ask Drone You from colorful Colorado. My name is Paul. My name's Rob. It is definitely colorful right now. It's beautiful out there, even though I was inside all weekend. Damn it. But working on that house. Working on the house, yeah. Anyways, thankful to be here hanging out with you, and thank you to everybody out there who's listening. We really appreciate it. We know you got a lot of things that you could be doing, and if you're spending a few minutes with us, it matters. We appreciate it very much, and uh, it motivates us. So thank you, and we hope today's show... We'll help you. Yeah, and thank you everyone uh, who uh, who is a Drone U member taking advantage of those 40 classes. We've got actually a lot more classes coming up for you. We're in a production uh, super cycle right now, so very excited for that. Also, thank you to everyone who took advantage of being grandfathered into that old price point. Now we launched that new price point. Obviously, with inflation the way it is, uh, it's kind of hard to you know keep costs low with uh, inflation the way it is. I know many of you are, are are facing that, but I still believe that we're offering the greatest amount of value um, on the internet when it comes to learning the practical use cases of, of flying drone missions. So thank you to everyone. Today actually uh, is probably one of the first shows in a very, very, very long time that we um, wanted to hit a particular topic and didn't have a question just because it's so relevant right now, Rob. Yeah, it's very relevant, unfortunately, but... Uh... Anyways, we'll, we'll get into it and hopefully it'll be useful. Definitely, definitely. So let's just get right into it. Obviously, many of you know it is hurricane season and we have done podcasts and shows before on disaster relief, but I'm not sure that we've really ever talked about the types of drone operations that are really happening in these disaster uh, situations. And in working with some of our previously trained pilots who are now in some very powerful positions, we've really been able to highlight what these missions look like and more specifically the deliverables that are being created so we want to talk about that and also talk about how uh, one particular deliverable can literally be valuable for public safety in multiple different uh, use cases but also for public safety to get federal funding and for people to get uh, emergency disaster funding as well so there's really we're going to try to keep this succinct and short Mm -hmm. but there's there's so much value to some of these data products. It's it's almost hard to believe. Yeah. So as we think about hurricanes and obviously the devastating effect of those, which we all know, it, it's it's awful, and we feel horrible for the people that are dealing with this. I can't even imagine. I honestly can't. Um, so what can drone? How can drones be helpful? What kind of drone missions? are going to be sort of at the forefront to actually make their um, their role in this meaningful? I think it's a very important question. And, and recently, one of the pilots that we trained um, is working with uh, the Tennessee Department of Transportation, who recently did a white paper on their assessment of what they've been using drone missions for. And I think that this is such a good kind of source material to showcase that at the end of the day, most of these drone missions are becoming mapping missions. Hmm. We're talking autonomous flights, capturing data in a particular way to be able to have a near real time sense 
of what is going on on the ground. Because with these drone missions, Rob, we're able to fly and acquire data rather quickly, produce an orthomosaic, which I would say is one of the three main deliverables, to acquire information for assessments. Okay. You know, and when it comes to assessments, these assessments are really, really valuable for public safety because let's say they need to get into a particular area, they fly a mapping mission, they create their ortho mosaic, let's say, for an example, a non-geo-reference ortho at a React, right? Mm -hmm. With that one ortho, they are now able to discern navigational paths to get assets in. Yeah, they're able to discern where to set up communication networks like, uh, you know, AT&T's uh, FirstNet, mm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. But they're also able to discern how and where to send what assets, but also the routes of getting them there. So this is going to help them really be able to, one, make a quick assessment. Where do we need to send stuff? Where is the most damage? How do we get there? Yeah, you know, I, I, absolutely. And I can see a specific use case. I was listening to Governor DeSantis talk about this in some of the islands for which the bridges are, of course, destroyed, right? So mm-hmm. they need a lot of help on those islands and getting to them is very, very difficult. And so they're going to have to be using helicopters. But even sending the drones to do these assessments before the helicopters can make May I would assume make it more efficient for how the helicopters do their work. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about, too, there was one scenario in 1997 where our hometown, uh, this was before I moved to my dad's house, um, our hometown was essentially uh, blocked off by a flood in every direction. And they used helicopters just to get, you know, basic supplies in because the right. grocery stores ran out of food. So, I mean, they were sending in water, et cetera. So with these maps, we're going to be able to assess where the most density of people are mm-hmm. and how to get those assets in via helicopters. Right. Yeah, but but Rob, I mean, the, the value doesn't stop there. With these same maps, they're able to classify the severity of damage. Mm-hmm. And um, there were companies, uh, well, Tennessee was working on a program using Python to actually automatically discern damage severity okay. based off of certain uh, variables. Amazing. Really brilliant. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic uses of technology, obviously. So you mentioned orthos and that there that was one of the three deliverables. What are the other two and, and kind of what's the best case in terms of using each of them? So uh, the three deliverables were a digital terrain model, an orthomosaic, and a point cloud. And so I think it's easy to uh, discern that assessment with the orthomosaic is going to be really, really easy, but also really fast. Mm -hmm. The only limitation with those 2D deliverables, something like an orthomosaic, we're really not going to be able to get the best uh, 3D measurements. So let's say, for example, that you were to run that same mission that you initially flew, but you run it in something like Pix4D Mapper or Matic or Drone Deploy or Propeller or whatever. Maps Made Easy, okay? Or Measure. There's so many options now. Um, In running that data through one of those other mapping engines, you're going to be able to acquire very important information for FEMA to do their payouts, which is measuring the amount of material that has been essentially destroyed and needs to be removed. It helps them with not only their logistics plans of getting uh, heavy equipment in to remove uh, said um, issues, but it's also a documentation, not just a documentation 
of, um, you know, the area for assessment, but also to get paid by the federal government to remove said information. So I see opportunities for state and local agencies to utilize this 2D and 3D data to really communicate on a national and even international scale Mm -hmm. to make decision making faster, asset allocation faster, um, but also in discerning which areas are hardest hit to, you know, prioritize those areas. So just be more efficient and turn and quick with that efficiency to get things done. I mean, there's people potentially that are literally waiting for help that could die soon still. Literally. I don't mean I don't necessarily mean today, but when when you're in the middle of these missions and it's within days of the hurricane, et cetera, time is of the essence, to say the least. It really is. And because time is of the essence, it really actually brings up an important point, which is uh, in that same report that we talked about, they mentioned that most of the data sets that they ran were geo-referenced data sets. Now, public safety, primarily law enforcement, and I believe fire as well, typically has an exemption in regards to surveying law, but that'd be something you have to look up on a state-by-state basis. Mm -hmm. Typically, in most states, it is that way. But that said, you talk about time, and geo-referencing these maps uh, would add a significant amount of time. And now you're sending people to walk around and, and shoot points and whatnot. And so I really, you know, I really beg the question to the people who are running most of these missions, is geo-reference data sets really the right way to go? So are you saying that you've seen that they are being done? I'm saying that in research it's being done. I don't know in the real world if it's being done. Uh, Because think about it, it adds so much more time to the collection process, the acquisition process, laying down points, shooting them, throwing out arrow points, et cetera. Now you're having to actually get people into areas that you might not have the right information to discern how to safely get people in those areas. You see what I'm saying? I do. I think if they're going to do that, it seems like that would come a little bit later down the road when you're starting to talk about rebuilding. Yeah. Right. That maybe then it would make sense. I don't know kind of when in the timeline of the event occurring and starting the different phases of, of, you know, cleanup and reconstruction, et cetera, when it would be a good idea to get in there and have some geo-reference data. But at some point, I think it would make sense. Probably not for a while. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And we're seeing that drones are being used in all phases of the response and recovery efforts from the very beginning to the end. And I mean, you know, if you're a resident of Florida, it might even be valuable for you to have a 2D model or 3D map of your home as essentially a visual representation of inventory. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, insurance companies have been telling us to inventory our um, the the interior content, so to speak, Mm -hmm. of our home since the inception of insurance, as far as I know. So why not do the same thing with your actual home or with your cars or everything that you have? Kind of put it all out there and then do a couple of shots and inventory it. A hundred percent. And I mean, I would keep this data obviously private and behind some sort of security wall. But in having that data, think about the speed and the increase of getting a payout from the insurance company, but also the quality or the amount of the payout. Yeah. So a hundred percent. One of the things I wonder is as it relates to drones, have you seen anything or, I mean, I could I, mean, I could make a case for the value, but what are your thoughts on like a live feed using a drone? 
Well, I've seen it used a lot, actually. And I know companies like Easy Aerial are increasingly being tasked with producing their Falcon systems and providing a live Mm. feed over areas. I mean, it's a tethered system, but it can also, you know, fly untethered to go check certain stuff out. Um, There's honestly, it's a great system to even zoom in and get, you know, real time data. Do I see that being used? Yes. Do I know how much it's being used? I unfortunately know I don't really. But I think that there is clear value in that because yeah. if you have people on their roofs spray painting SOS or yelling at the top of their lungs, you're going to have a much better uh, ability to discern who's in real trouble and needs that immediate help. Yeah. You know, another thing that comes to mind is is the wing tra, which just kind of leads to a general conversation about what types of drones are being used. But is there a need for a fixed wing like a wing tra? You know, this is such a solid question, Rob, because at the end of the day, when we are thinking about these three main deliverables that are being produced, and if we're using a multi-rotor, you know, even if you have batteries to last you all day long, you know, the maximum that you're really going to cover in any given area is going to be four or 500 acres, like the size of maybe an 18-hole golf course. And honestly, that's just really not that efficient. Not after some an event like this. Well, 100%. And then you think about if they're even georeferencing it, now it's really not efficient. Um, and with something like the wing trust system, you are now flying three to 400 acres per hour. And it's also can be georeferenced quickly and easily, uh, you know, with like one point on the nearest course tower or one arrow point. You know, you really can do so much more georeference material and at scale. And so I really do see that particular drone, but also the workflow that Wingtra has developed in processing their data and their imagery um, to be extremely valuable and extremely useful as a whole. I know that there are other fixed wing systems out there. And honestly, I haven't really seen the workflow uh, and if there's even mapping cameras on some of these other big fixed wing drones to get the efficiency of flight, the efficiency mm-hmm. of acquisition, but also the efic- efficiency of data processing. Yeah, that processing piece is obviously very important. So something like Wingtra is going to be a force multiplier. That being said, what are some of the multi-copter? Ver- I mean, I would assume like an M300 or they just use, I mean, We're even... Seeing- yeah, we're seeing lots of M300s. That kind of sucks, though, because, again, the point clouds out of those are just garbage. Uh, and then we are seeing a lot of M30Ts out there. We're seeing a lot of Phantoms, obviously, uh, when we're seeing a lot of Mavics. Um, I think the diversity, we're seeing a lot of Skydios, too, the the more expensive enterprise version of Skydios. Sure. Um, it's just that with these multi-rotors, again, this brings up kind of a fundamental issue of how can I get highest quality data in the most efficient amount of time? And when you think of the, you know, large full frame sensor that you get from a Wingtra, you know, you can fly 400 feet up and still get one inch GSD on the ground. That's incredible. Uh, Yeah. And on a Phantom, you're going to be flying 120 feet to do that. So the flight times are going to be longer. You know, you're not going to get as high quality data. And Wingtra is like, yeah, not only can I get the high quality data, but if we need to georeference it over our PPK system, we can do that at scale too. And in part of getting this podcast ready, Rob, I was looking at our new drone guide for public safety. And if you haven't seen that, propsflightschool.com, check it out. Uh, Go to the public safety page and you'll see it. You can download it there uh, by providing your email. The Wingtro really is by far going to provide efficiency at every aspect of the drone mission from acquisition 
to georeferencing to data processing. Um, and frankly, I don't see another system that can provide that and is also blue SUAS rated. Yeah. So, I mean, now Good you're issue. making the feds happy, right? Because mm. you're flying drones that don't have Chinese parts in them. And honestly, funny enough, Wingtra just moved uh, their offices down into Florida. So maybe they they saw the uh, the opportunity arising. Maybe, yeah. Very interesting stuff. Um, so what's, what's something? So I think we haven't really covered software much. I mean, you kind of listed some of the processing entities out there, but what are going to be some of the more important software packages people are going to need to be familiar with if they want to be involved in something like this? Well, and again, I think that we need to break this down on georeferenced or non-georeferenced data sets. Although, again, in using the Wingtra system, if we're using Wingtra Hub and we are georeferencing over their PPK system, well, then you can actually use React to create georeference maps, uh, which is the only way that I know to actually do georeference maps out of Pix4D React. But hmm. In general, non-georeference data sets, I think we're going to see Pix4D React being by far the, the most capable, not only because of the super fast timeline to create orthomosaics. You don't need super fast computers. You do not need internet. But also you can share the data in the fastest, most convenient methodologies uh, possible. PDFs, simple imagery. But you can even you know create uh, annotations on those maps. Notate what direction that logistics needs to go, uh, notate severity of damages, color code them and provide and spit out a report. You know, the amount of processing and interpretation that you can do with that software, you simply can't do elsewhere unless you have, you know, a great internet connection, which you're not going to have in these areas. Right. Um, you know, that infrastructure is down. So utilizing cloud processors really isn't the best solution at times. And also a bummer for a lot of the cloud processors out there. Most of them are not CGIS compliant. So technically they cannot be used in these environments. So Pix4D React was really built for public safety. And I've been promoting it for a long time because of these exact aspects. No internet, super fast production mm -hmm. and reporting. It's really that easy. Yeah, because the idea here is that you're trying to get the the best data possible in front of the decision makers, the people that are leading the charge to take care of people, make sure people are safe, get people out, et cetera, et cetera. They need good data quick so they can make the decisions they need to make. Yeah, 100%. And Pix4D React does that. Uh, you know, when we're creating point clouds, again, if we don't have internet, Pix4D Mapper and Matic for these bigger data sets is going to be kind of the way to go. You can get those DTMs in step three as well. But when I also think of FEMA compliance and I think of, you know, measuring these areas that need to have uh, recovery and removal, if we have internet up at that point, in all honesty, I would be using drone deploy to do these volumetric measurements. And there's three reasons why I would use drone deploy. Number one, we're going to be able to process quickly. Again, this is on the uh, idea that we're going to have internet. So quick processing, we're going to be able to make those volumetrics or those 3D measurements much easier than in pics. The reporting is much easier. Um, but also you can color code your volume. So if you're trying to go after this is a removal volume, Volume. This is a volume uh, that we need to, you know, remove certain 
things out of the roads for navigation or clean up, you know, a, a flood zone, for example, you can color code those different volumes and you can mm. even set up the density of material. So let's say that you're measuring damage from a house and you want to like essentially notate the a density of wood and, and, and change your volume that way. You can do it. Mm. Let's say you're measuring a flood area and you want to measure the density of all the silt and sand that needs to be removed. Well, that's a different density of aggregate as well. So you can do that in drone deploy and export those reports very quickly. Again, this is under the premise that you're going to have internet. Yeah. Huh. Boy, there's a lot to think about. And uh, just pray for the people that are kind of leading the charge out there and trying to make sure people are safe. And man, get back into their homes as soon as possible, which for a lot of people, they... I don't know. I suppose you you move. Yeah, you know, and, and there's one last thing I want to go over before we wrap this up, which is that I think public safety departments, especially local authorities, have an opportunity to monetize their operations to the federal government to subsidize a lot of the work that they're doing here. And, and what do I mean? I mean, if you've got local public safety agencies who are responding and they're, and they're doing uh, these mapping missions as a whole, they can sell that data to insurance companies. They can sell that data to the feds. They can even cross departments sell that data. This is a big opportunity. You know, if you've got public works who says, hey, you guys made maps of the whole city during uh, Ian, right? Well, we need to take that and put it over our as built and be able to understand and discern the best methodologies of uh, fixing infrastructure or providing new infrastructure. Uh, there's there's really a lot of opportunity here for fire departments to get and public police departments to get additional federal funding to be able to help those departments further help people without exploiting the people themselves. So I think it's a yeah. phenomenal opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyways, anything else that you want to mention before we sign off? Well, I do want to say that if you are in public safety and you're considering drone training, um, you've got to check out our props public safety platform. It was designed and built over multiple years. It covers all many different types of drone operations and it was built to help you create systems to run and maintain your program as a whole. We are also firing off a new props program specific to exactly what we're talking about here today which is our disaster relief program. It is not up on the website but we already have built essentially the modules to bridge all the courses that they need together. We have kind of a, a simplified version and an expanded version so if you're trying to get out there and just, you know, get these orthos done, get these measurements, etc. non-georeference, all those courses are ready to go right now for anyone in disaster response. It's also uh, very affordable. And then we have an expanded program that goes into kind of Props Mapper and what that offers, all available at propsflightschool.com, the enterprise division of Drone U. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us today. As always, my name is Paul. And I'm Rob. And we get our fuel by helping out drone pilots in doing what they love and helping other people. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots 
videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.